All right, let's grab our Bible tonight and go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. We're going to be continuing our study on the Bible typology. I looked at several different things already. Well, last, year, last week we started a new kind of area of it. We were looking at animal types of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Last time we went over the lamb, had a big old board filled up with all this information. And uh, we looked at Exodus chapter 12 and saw how the Passover lamb pictured Jesus perfectly. And uh, got, a, got a blessing out of that, hopefully. But uh, tonight we're going to be looking at another animal that Jesus is pictured of in the Bible. I know I told you we might hit several of them today yet again. Uh, we're going to hit another one. So how about that? And since I cannot draw and I did not uh, get anybody else up here to draw pretty pictures for me, I could almost spell and I could halfway write. So we're going to be doing a lion. Okay. We're going to be looking at Jesus as the lion. We've got Genesis chapter 49. I'm going to, I've got several references and a lot of different ideas. So I'm just going to kind of splatter it up here. So maybe I don't have to repeat too much because uh, there's, there's a lot of information here that uh, hopefully we'll be able to get over uh, most everything I want to go over tonight. Genesis chapter 49, let's start in verse 1. We're going to read verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump down to verse 8. Verse 1 is going to give us context here in Genesis chapter 49. Verse 1, the Bible says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together, and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Let's jump down to verse 8. Because he, he goes through Reuben, and he goes through Simeon and Levi, and we're not, not focusing on them tonight. Verse number 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise, thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies, thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver law from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 11. Binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Let's pray. Amen. So here in Genesis chapter 49, uh, we, we, we read verse 1 and 2, kind of as a little introduction here. And this is, this is Israel, you know, Jacob, his name's going to change to Israel. This is Israel gathering his sons together right before his death. And he's given a prophecy concerning each son and the tribes that'll, that'll, they will, they will uh, bear to him. Okay, we see that in uh, verse number 1, Genesis 49, verse 1. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. This is this prophetic uh, portion of scripture here. Okay, but we're, we're, we're looking over biblical typology is what we're doing. And tonight is we're, we're looking at Jesus being the lion. He's, he's re referenced as a lion. But let's look at the first mention of lion in your Bible, which is Genesis chapter 49, verse 9. It says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, 
Who shall rouse him up? Okay, we know Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. Okay, we'll, we'll get there eventually in, in the book of Revelation. He's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's, uh, he's, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah on both sides, both on Mary's side and on Joseph, his stepfather's side. We know he's, he's the son of God, okay, but he's uh, both Joseph and Mary. Uh, Joseph's lineage is in Matthew chapter 1. Mary, uh, her lineage is given in Luke chapter 3. Uh, both of them, you go back far enough, you find they're come through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and through Judah. Okay, Genesis 49 has specific last day prophecies concerning the 12 tribes. And we're, we're, we can't look at all of them tonight. I wish we could. But look at just a few of these that are mentioned about Judah. Because remember, Jesus is coming from Judah's tribe here. And here's what it says in verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. So the Bible says, this is, remember, this is Jacob giving uh, Judah here prophetic reference to the end times here. And he says, someone, your tribe, here, here's what's going to happen. Someone from your tribe, okay, uh, his brethren are going to praise him. His enemies are going to fall. Okay, his father's children will bow the knee to him. That's what he's telling, that's what Jacob is telling Judah this many years back. That kind of reminds me of Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11, that says that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's that? Something that's happening in the future that's being prophesied about here in Genesis chapter 49. It's talking something about the end events uh, there, verse 1, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And verse 8 saying that, uh, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. They're, they're going to praise Jesus. Okay? They're going to praise Jesus. Thy hand shall be on the neck of thine enemies. That time's coming. We're going to look at some of that tonight. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Look at verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? Judah is called a lion's whelp, a whelp that's, that's a cub, you know, that's, that's a son, that's a young lion, that's just a baby from that, you know. Uh, They've they got a hundred different names for every different stage of every animal's life. Have you ever noticed that? My kids know every single one of them. You know, they'll throw out a name like a foal or something like that, and they're like, oh, you don't know that means a baby horse? I'll say, of course I know that means it's a baby horse. You know, and so that's a whelp, that's just a, that, that, that falls across many of them, you, you know. Bears have whelps. Lions have whelps. Anyway, that's a baby, baby lion for tonight. So the young, this young lion, Judah, here in verse 9, it says Judah is a lion's whelp. Okay? It says he's crouched down. He's hidden. He's waiting to be roused when he's an old lion. Do you see that? Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. So there's some prey but Judah has gone up from that prey. Okay? Look at this. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? So Judah, this lion's whelp, right now in Genesis, he's a young lion. 
He's removed from his prey, and he's crouched down and waiting. Well, you ever see those nature shows? The lions go and chase the gazelles and everything else. They crouch down, and they're hidden. I don't know how the camera guys find them, you know? I mean, they must have caught the marker or something, you know? Ready, lions? Click. And, okay, crouch down. Good. You know, get them down there. But they, 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 they're hidden. They, they hide in the grass. They camouflage. You can't see anything because, I mean, those deer and gazelle and antelope and all them, I mean, they, they flinch at anything, and they know to take off running. But a lion knows how to crouch and how to hide. And that's what's going on right here. It says, he stooped down, he crouched as a lion, as in an old lion. And it asks this, who shall rouse him up? Okay, this, this is going to mean more as we continue our study. So let's, I just want to get you thinking on that a little bit. Let me give you a little bit of statistics here. Bible stats on lion, on the word lion. Okay, the word lion appears in our Bible 150 times. 150 times. Okay? 141 of those times is in the Old Testament. Okay, that leaves nine in the New Testament. All right? Six of those nine are in the book of Revelation. All right? That's just so you know, and that, that lion, lions, however you want to divided up there but six of those only it's only mentioned one time in the Pauline epistles I, I find this interesting one time is the word lion show up in the Pauline epistles that's in 2 Timothy 4.17 I'll read it to you 2 Timothy 4.17 says notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengtheneth me uh, that, by, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The only, only Pauline epistle reference to a lion is talking about being delivered from a lion. Okay, but 141 times in the Old Testament, and only nine times in the New Testament. But there's some of this information I'm just going to throw out to you real quick. There's, there's several different things here. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. There's three primary applications of a lion in the Bible. First application is in regards to their strength. I'm going to say strength or power. Okay? Okay. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 30. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 30. says, A lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away for any. Okay, a, a lion is known for their strength. The strongest of the, the land animals. I'm guessing that's pound, per, pound for pound there. I mean, it's definitely nothing you want to wrestle with. But they're known for their strength and for their power. Okay, a lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away from any. That, that talks about how dedicated he is. He doesn't turn away for anybody. The second application, let's look at Psalms chapter 17. Psalms chapter 17. This one you'll recognize as well. How about their ferocity? Okay, or fierceness. This is in Psalms chapter 17, verse 12. 
Psalm 17, 12 says this, Like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. You know what a lion is? A lion is greedy of his prey. That's what the Bible says. His prey is what he, what he, what he caught. Okay, what, what he's deciding to devour, what he gained in his hunt. Okay, that is his prey. He's greedy of it. This, this talks about his ferocity. Okay, his ferocity, I should say. His fierceness. He fights tooth and nail for what is his, and you better not stand in the way. I've never once seen a lion feeding at the zoo and say, I want to see if I could take that from him. Because I, I know what I do whenever my kids try to take something from me while I'm eating. You know, they see my fierceness. They get four prongs right there on the back of the hand and a fork sticking up. You know, it's, it's my food, you know. Only when they get do that is my wife, and I just growl at her. So it, it helps being the lioness in the house. But you don't want to try to take food away from a hungry lion. You'll see their ferocity. They're greedy of that prey. They work hard to get those things, and so they're going to stick, stick close to it. But the third thing is kind of interesting here. Since lions are known for their strength and their ferocity, God often uses them in the Old Testament to carry out his judgment, which is powerful and fierce. Turn, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 13. First Kings chapter 13. Found three times in the Bible where God decided to carry out his judgment using lions. First one we're going to look at here is 1 Kings chapter 13. You'll re you might remember this story. We'll start in verse 23, but let me give you a little bit of background to it. This is the young prophet that was sent off to, to go to this country. The old prophet already lived there, but he sent the young prophet. God sent the, the young prophet in there, and he said, listen, I don't want you to eat anywhere. I don't want you to stop and fellowship with anybody. And as, as a matter of fact, whenever you come back, I want you to come back a different way. And everything, and the old prophet gets there, and the old prophet says, no, 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 no. See, God spoke to me, and he said, it's all right if you come eat at my house. And the young prophet just says, okay. You know, I'm a little hungry. You know, I might as well. You know, I'll come in and eat with you. First Kings chapter 13, look at verse 23. It came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he, sat, uh, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him in the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it to the city uh, where the old prophet dwelt. So that God sent this lion to go and slay this young prophet because he disobeyed the word of God. God told him directly, listen, you don't stop. You don't go anywhere else. You know, don't, don't go fellowship with anybody. I want you to go deliver the message. Come back a different way. He didn't, didn't obey God. God didn't go send him another warning. God didn't do anything just, just nice, easy, okay. No, no, no. God put wrath upon him. God showed his fierceness. God showed his strength, his power, and his ferocity. And he said, okay, listen, you, you're dead today, buddy. I mean, that's, that's it. God sent a lion. The lion tore him down. And to prove that it wasn't just, well, some hungry lion came and, came and killed this prophet. What a mistake. No, the lion sat there, didn't devour him, and just showed that, this is what happens when you disobey God. You know, that's, what is that? The fierceness, that's the judgment of God. 
Another time, turn to 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20. And let's start verse 35. This one might, might not be near as familiar to you. This is a, a quick little reference to it. But it, a man gets slayed by a lion again. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse number 35. 1 Kings 20, verse 35. And a certain man of the sons of the prophets said unto his neighbor in the word, uh, in the word of the Lord, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man refused to smite him. Prophet comes up and says, Hey, I want you to punch me right in the face. The guy says, I'm not going to punch you in the face. Verse number 36. Then said he unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou art departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. And as soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slew him. You say, What's that? That is the quick, fierce judgment of God upon someone who disobeyed one of his prophets. God spoke directly to this prophet. He said, listen, I want you to get this guy to punch you in the face. The guy said, I will not punch you in the face. And so the Lord sent a lion to quickly slay that man. What is that? Righteous judgment. Carried out speedily and harshly. That's, that's fierce. That's ferocious. Ferocious. Some of these words are going to be fun tonight. I can tell already. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. I'm letting you turn here because these, these are nice and easy close together here. There's one more time that the Lord sent lions as judgment. And you'll notice it's swift, it's powerful, it's fierce, it's unrelenting. Okay, this, this is how the judgment of God can come out oftentimes. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 24. 2 Kings 17, 24. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, and from Cuthan, and from Ava, and from Hamath, and from Sepharvim, that's exactly how you say it, and placed uh, them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So all these foreigners came in and they're dwelling in Israel's land. Verse 25. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. God says, listen, you're in the land that's not your land. Uh, you don't fear me. You're not keeping my commandments. I'm going to send some lions. And they, they slew the people. What's that? Quick, fierce, strong, powerful judgment of God. Okay? Lions are associated with judgment. Three times God sent lions to slay the disobedient. It was fierce, quick, powerful punishment. Okay? Men were mauled and torn to shreds. All right? God's judgment can can come and destroy someone just like a lion can. As a matter of fact, you, you think about lions and, and everything here. Let me switch colors. I thought of three men in the Bible that killed lions. Who wants to give me number one? Who's that? David. David killed a lion. He killed a lion and a bear before he killed Goliath. Number two? Is it Samson? Yep. Samson, and the prize goes to the one that can name me number three. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I could do is be like, there's a number three, let's continue on. And then I'd have some, some of y'all wouldn't get the rest of your attention for the, for the rest of the evening. His name, I had to look up how to say it, Benina, is how that, that fancy mouth, mouth book says you're supposed to pronounce it. Benaiah, Benaiah, okay? 
That is 2 Samuel 23.20 and 1 Chronicles 11.22. You say, who's that guy? You remember, he's one of the mighty men of valor that killed two lion-like men. And he also slew a lion in the snowy pit. Okay, I'll read verse uh, 1 Chronicles 11.22. It says, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. You say, why is that in the Bible? Because to kill a lion is something spectacular. Okay, that is out of the ordinary. There's only three guys in the Bible that are accredited with killing a lion. That is a big deal. Why? Because you got something that is strong and powerful and ferocious and can hide itself. It knows how to crouch down. It knows how to not be seen by its enemies. It knows how to stalk its prey, to kill its prey, and to keep its prey. If you can kill something like that, you really accomplish something. Lions are so strong and so, so ferocious, it's quite an accomplishment to kill one. There are, let me give you another list of threes here since we're having so much fun with it. I hadn't done this one yet. Let's turn to, uh, go ahead and turn to Micah. Micah chapter 5. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. You mess around there in the smaller, the small prophets there a little bit. Uh, Micah chapter 5. I want to give you three named peoples that are associated with lions in the Bible. Okay, three named people that are associated with lions in the Bible. The first one's the one we're going to be looking at in Micah, but I'm going to give it to you first. Nation of Israel. Do you know the nation of Israel is likened unto a lion in the Bible? A couple different places. One is whenever Balak is trying to get Balaam to curse Israel. That's in Numbers 23, 24. Numbers 23, 24 says this, Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. Did you find Micah chapter 5? Let's look at uh, verse 7. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both tread, treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Okay, there's going to be a time when the remnant of Jacob will be as, fierce, as a fierce lion among the Gentiles. Okay, with God on their side, Israel is a fierce lion. Without God, Israel is no stronger than any other nation. Okay, but they, they're twice in the Bible. They are likened as to a fierce, ferocious lion. Here's an interesting thought. Okay, Israel is associated with being a lion twice in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 9.4 says, for, him, for to him that is joined to all the living there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. So 
Israel is associated with being a lion if they have God with them. If they don't, the Bible says a dead dog is better, or I'm sorry, a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know what we have right now? You know what dogs are in the Bible? Gentiles. That's, that's us. Woo, I'm a dog. <laughs> Hooray. You know, if, well, I'm a lion. No, 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 I'm a dog. But what am I? Right now through Jesus Christ, I'm a living dog instead of a dead lion. Because without God, even though you might be a lion, you're dead. You've got to have Jesus Christ. I just I thought that was kind of interesting, that Ecclesiastes 9, 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. So we have Israel as a nation is, is likened unto a, unto a lion. You know number two, 1 Peter chapter 5. You can go ahead and turn over there, 1 Peter chapter 5. The devil. The devil. 1 Peter 5 8. He's likened unto a lion. One time. This, this is the one time he's mentioned as being likened unto a lion. 1 Peter 5 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Notice this is a present danger. This is something that, they are, that we are warned about right now. Okay, we are in this lion's jungle right now. Okay, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is called the god of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. He's called the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2.2. Right now, we're in his domain. This is his jungle, this is his field, this is his zoo, and we're in the cage with him. Okay, he, he's the one that's ferocious. He's the one that's going to be tearing us to shreds. He's the one trying to get us. He's the one stalking in the, in the darkness, seeking what opportunity he can jump us and, and bite us, devour us with sin or with lust or temptation or with whatever else he's, he's got for us. He's the lion in this present day and age. But then we have the last lion. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Revelation chapter 5, would you? Revelation chapter 5. Let's start, whenever we get to Revelation chapter 5, let's start in verse 1. And I want to point out to you that this is the first time Jesus is likened unto a lion. This is the first time Jesus specifically is mentioned as being likened unto a lion. He, he himself. Okay? Revelation chapter 5, let's start in verse 1. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Remember, this John's up in heaven right now. He's seeing things that will shortly come to pass. He's in front of the throne, and here's what he sees. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? 
And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. There's something in this book that is so magnificent, so, so outstanding, that people, no, no man on earth can not only open up the seals, they can't even look on the book. Verse 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. There's, there's the one that's worthy. We found him, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The first mention of Jesus Christ being that lion of the tribe of Judah is right here in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. Jesus being likened unto a lion does not come until the book of Revelation. The crouching lion, you remember in, in Genesis chapter 49, that lion Judah, that lion's whelp, that young lion back there in Genesis chapter 49, that young lion that wasn't fierce, he wasn't going to devour his prey yet, he wasn't going to do anything to that prey, he's crouching down, he's hiding, he's waiting and saying, who will rouse him? Who's going to get him going? He's crouching. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, was crouching down from Genesis chapter 49 and it's not until Revelation chapter 5 that he stands up that he comes out from that grass and he gets ready to proclaim retain his prey the crouching lion foretold in the first book of the Bible does not come roused until the last book of the Bible say why is Jesus likened unto a lion in Revelation but not before because lions are associated with strength, power, ferocity, fierceness, and the judgment of God. It isn't until the book of Revelation that Jesus takes on the role of a lion. Why? Because right now he, we're still focused on him being the lamb. Prior to Revelation, Jesus is like a lamb. What are lambs associated with? Gentleness, goodness, meekness. Forgiveness, long-suffering, mercy. You know what those are? Those are attributes of God. Those are attributes of God. There are other lion-like creatures in heaven, but there's only one lamb. Look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, he says this, Revelation 4, 6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. There are things up in heaven that are like a lion. There are several things up in heaven that resemble the judgment of God and the fierceness of God and the strength and the power of Almighty God. There are things that resemble that aspect of God. His judgment, His tenacity, His ability to devour and, and to divide and to slay people. That quick judgment, that quick wrath. There are things in heaven that resemble that. It's mentioned not only there, but a couple other places. In Ezekiel 1.10, it's there. In Daniel 7.4, these lion-like creatures are there. There are many heavenly reminders about the fierceness, strength, and judgment of God, those lion forms. 
but there's only one person who typifies the gentleness, the long-suffering, the love, and the mercy of God Almighty, and that's the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that, that shows that, hey, God deserves, he has every right to throw his wrath upon this country, upon this world, upon this planet, upon any individual. He's, he's totally justified in doing that. He could release that lion anytime he wants, and he'd be right to devour each and every one of us. But there is a lamb up there. There is a lamb in the way. There is a lamb that represents the other side of God. The love side of God, the compassion side of God, the forgiveness side of God that, that keeps that wrath and that ferocity at bay. It's that lamb that balances out the lion. They're both different sides of the same God. That's Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 5. Let's, let's read verse 5 again. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Look at verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. This little slain lamb is the one that's worthy to take that book. Verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne, taking it from God the Father's hand. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred and tongue and people by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory and blessing. That sounds like a lot of things that a lion has. Why is the lion getting all the power now? Because it was the lamb that was slain. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Jesus Christ was the Lamb that took the shame, the blame, the punishment for our sins. He redeemed us by his blood. We are his prey. We are what he obtained by shedding his blood. What is that prey that the lion, Judah, in, in Genesis chapter 49, remember, he was raised above his prey. His prey was still here on earth. 
And yet he's a crouching lion waiting to be roused. When he comes back, that lion, Jesus Christ, will be greedy of his prey. And he'll come back in strength and power and ferocity. He's going to say, I redeemed these people. I'm coming back to get them. He was the lamb the first time. He was peaceful the first time. But then he's going to come back and say, hey, that's mine. That's my supper right there. I got them down. I bought them. I redeemed them. That's my catch. Those are my people. Here I come. You better get out of my way. That's what he's going to say. Do you know what is in that seven-sealed book, that one that everybody else was not worthy enough to open? Do you know what's in that seven-sealed book? Those are the seven-sealed judgments of Almighty God that comes during the tribulation. He opens up those seals. What's that? Ferocity. What's that? Strength and power from God. What is that? That's the lion being unleashed. That lamb has got the book now. That lamb has got the judgment of God now, and he's got every right to come back as the lion that he is. And he's going to start opening up them seals, and out comes fierceness, out comes ferocity, out comes power, out comes vengeance, out comes strength, out comes wrath, out comes anger. Why is that? Because the lion's mad. (laughs) The lion's not happy anymore. He's not the little lamb anymore. Now he's the old lion. And he's coming back. You know what I like? I like Proverbs chapter 19, verse 12, that says this. Proverbs 19, 12 says, The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion, but his favor is as dew upon the grass. Jesus comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. His roaring is going to be of a roaring of a lion. The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion. See, right now, people can get by with stepping on the lamb, but they'll get torn to shreds by the lion that's coming back. You know why people don't take their faith seriously nowadays? Why people walk over Jesus? Why they could use His name as a curse word? Why they could spit on Him and they can mock Him and they can just step all over Him? Because right now He's the slain lamb. But He's coming back and you're not going to mess with Him. (laughs) They're not going to get by. For the first time when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, they're going to look up and they're going to say, Oh my God! And for the first time they're going to be right. For the first time He's going to say, Yep, you got it buddy, you're right this time. That's the lion coming back. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Here's what it's going to look like when the lion of Judah is roused from his crouch. Revelation chapter 19. You say, this doesn't sound like the Jesus I know. You're used to the lamb, but the lion's coming. They say, I don't like this kind of Jesus. It's the same same God. It's the same God. You You just like one aspect of it. Like too many Christians today, they want to focus on just the love of God, but they don't want to talk about the judgment and wrath of God. God's both. You know, two times in the Bible, the Bible says God is love. You know what the Bible says also two times? God is a consuming fire. What is that? Balance. Wrath and love. Judgment, fairness, holiness. God is balanced. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse... And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Judgment, war, that's part of God's righteousness. Verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. This is the lion coming back. 
And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. There comes that lion. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And see the fierceness? See the wrath? That's the lion. Verse 16, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls of, uh, that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, and ye may, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Something's going around slaughtering a bunch of people. Some animal is coming back in ferocity with wrath and greatness and power, and that's the lion of the tribe of Judah coming down and tearing these people to shreds. Verse 19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh." All those who don't worship the lamb will be destroyed by the lion. That's two sides of the same God. That God is Jesus Christ. Don't deny the lion because you prefer the lamb. Love the lamb because you fear the lion. As you should. I don't want to get torn to shreds like that. I don't have to worry about it. Why? I trusted the lamb so I don't have to face the lion. You know what's interesting? I looked up a little bit. I mentioned to you, I gave you the stats for the word lion in the Bible up there at top. Here at the bottom, I'm going to give you some lamb numbers. Lamb is in the Bible 188 times. 153 times in the Old Testament. 35 times in the New Testament. And 29 of those, 35, are in Revelation. You know, that's a pretty close breakdown to the number numbers up there, at least percentage-wise, compared with the lion. So why don't you show me these numbers? Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. You know what that is? That's the judgment of God. That's the wrath of God. That's our guiltiness according to the law. We deserve punishment and death. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That lamb is in that book more times than that lion is. 
Why? Because the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, the mercy of God overpowers. It can knock out the judgment of God. Why? He sent His Son to be the Lamb. So we don't have to worry about the Son coming back and being the Lion. Love the Lamb because the Lion's coming. Jesus is both. He's the Lion and the Lamb. Don't get stuck on just one side because He's both of them. I, I, I enjoy the Lamb. I like the Lamb. Praise God for the Lamb. I got in easy because of the Lamb. All my sins were paid on Him. All the punishment I deserve got laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. All my sin He bore. I don't have to pay for a bit of it. Praise God. We got it easy. I'm glad I don't have to face the lion. And why should we tell other people about Jesus Christ, the Lamb? Because the lion's coming. It's not going to be good and they will be torn to shreds. So praise God for the Lamb.